You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Well, good morning, everyone. Do you know, I'm, I'm privileged this morning. I'm looking at the clock here, and it's only saying quarter to 11. It's a, it's a preacher's dream. <laughs> quarter to 11. I'll try and behave myself. So the theme this morning is, it's one of my favorite books. It's on the book of Jonah, one of the minor prophets. And my text, I got this text quite a while ago, actually. It was during one of my, the series of Bible readings I was doing. And the text is from should appear up here somewhere. Jonah 3.1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give to you. And the message was, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Eight words. Some translations say Nineveh will be destroyed. And some of them say smashed. No very nice message to bring to a town, to anybody, really. Eight words. Here we see, though, how God's amazing grace is worked out. That word that comes to Jonah a second time, I think in many more times than twice that God has come to me in his love and his mercy and his grace. And sometimes I haven't obeyed the word that he's brought to me not only the first or second time, but many times later. But such is the grace of God, he comes to us time and time again. I don't know if you're like me this morning, perhaps God has spoken to you many, many times before, and you're saying, surely I've worn out the grace of God by this time. And yet God's word still comes to you. His grace never gives up, beloved. His grace will never give up. And he helps us to move forward in his plan and purpose for our lives. Often we feel a bit like Moses. Here I am, could you not use somebody else? Or Jeremiah, thrown in the deep end, feeling too young to cope with all this responsibility. It's interesting to see how God in his grace chooses to use flawed people who are still very much in the process of maturing. Mission always is about mobilization of profoundly ordinary work-in-progress folks, just like you and me this morning. So be encouraged this morning. God's not finished with you yet. In 1 Corinthians 1.26, it says, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. This brought back to a song. Margaret was remembering, uh, was it Brian Blessed earlier on? This brought back to memory an old song we used to sing. And some of the lyrics went like this. We might go to jail, actually, for singing some of these lyrics these days. If you're thinner, you're fatter. 
for this job, it don't matter. If your heart's all right, you'll do. And the chorus said, in the service of Jesus, there's a place for all. If you're a towering giant or just kind of small, if you've been up to college or you don't know much, if you're childlike, you're welcome. For the book says of such that the kingdom of heaven is theirs. None are disqualified this morning, but all are accepted in God this morning, in Jesus Christ our Savior. So Jonah had the words, only eight of them, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I give you. And this time, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. So what was the word of the Lord? Well, 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed, just as we said earlier. You see, Jonah obeyed God, but still he had a few issues to resolve in his heart and life. He had the words, but he struggled with the will to perform the words. Go to that great city of Nineveh. Great city, I hear Jonah saying. Great city. Preach to the Assyrians after all the hurt and damage they had done to God's people. It's been said, and I think it was Pastor Frank Parker a few years ago, he once said that Jonah could be described as the Bible's most reluctant evangelist. He made doubting Thomas seem like a big softy. But God's grace never gives up, friends. God's grace never gives up. A few points on Jonah. First of all, Jonah the rebellious. Verse 3 of chapter 1 says, but, but Jonah initially ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, bought this ticket, and he headed to Spain. It's, obeying, it's in obeying God's will that we find our spiritual nourishment. Jesus said in John 4.34, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. In obeying God's will, we have enlightenment. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own, said Jesus. Enablement, Hebrews 13.21 May the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. So despite all the wickedness, etc., coming to the attention of God Almighty, Jonah still gets up and, ran and runs away from God Eternal's presence. He paid the fare. He bought his ticket and made himself comfortable in the hold of the ship. What are you invested in this morning? Are you invested in doing your own thing? Are you invested in saying, well, God, I hear what you're saying to me, but I've got other plans? Or are you like one who hears God's word and obeys it and goes in the direction that he calls you to? Can anybody really be comfortable that chooses to rebel against the will of God? I'd like to suggest the answer must be no. But God's grace never gives up. So not to be deterred, the eternal one throws an intense wind at the sea. Other commentators have, have said that God prepared three things. The first of them was a wind. The second was a whale. And the third was a worm. 
God threw an intense wind at the sea, and the ship was under threat. You read all about this in chapter 1. It was in threat of breaking apart. The sailors panicked and even decided to jettison some of the cargo. The sailors even started to pray. Meantime, Jonah slept down deep in the hold. And of course, the captain eventually caught up him. How can you sleep when this has gone on here? How can you possibly be sleeping below the deck? And then the crew had a good idea. You know, sometimes I have my grandson and uh, I sometimes have some good ideas for, for Rudy and I to play it. And I'll say to him, Rudy, I've got a good idea. I say, but Granda, what's the good idea? I says, you'll really like this idea. I say, but why will I like it, Granda? Because it's good fun. But Granda, why is it good fun? And so we torment each other for at least five minutes. And I'll say, we're going to make a tent. And he goes, yes! And we get grannies washing, drying uh, racks, and we drape a sheet over the top of them, and we make a tent. Now, because granny's got two of them, we can have one for Ruri and one for Granda. So the, group, the crew had a good idea. So they decide, let's draw lots. Let's see who the culprit is in the whole scheme of things here. And guess whose name came out of the heart? You're right, that was Jonah. Then the shouting march started up. What shall we do? They shouted out. You can just imagine the racket that was going on. What can we do to make this storm stop? And Jonah shouted back, Throw me overboard. And you can just imagine. Saying, what did he say? Throw me overboard. No, that can't be right. What? The storm will cease and you'll be safe. It's all my fault. The rebellious Jonah responded. Of course, the sailors ignored the reluctant evangelist's advice and attempted to row back to land. They tried a wee bit harder. How many evangelists have rung out the message of the gospel? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And Jesus' words are still the same. Do you believe this? But men and women very often say the same as the sailors. We're going to row a wee bit harder. We're going to try a wee bit harder. I'll try and jettison some of the things in my life. I'll try and make a few adjustments. I'll try and watch my tongue, watch my language, watch my behavior. But God calls us to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we will be saved. But the storm actually grew worse. And the crew turned to Jonah's God. My, they must have been desperate. They decided to pray to Jonah's God. Let's try this deity and see if he can help us. So it's a wonderful prayer, actually, if you read it. It's, it, it goes like this. Eternal one, please, we beg you, do not kill us as if we had murdered this man. And listen to the revelation in chapter, in verse 14. We understand that you, eternal one, do as you please. Wow, what a revelation they had of Jonah's God. And at that, um, and that by arms and legs, 
It's, it's quite comical, actually, if you think about it, but you can imagine them shouting to each other, how are we going to do this? And they're, they're, for, they're, they're saying to each other, I'll get the legs, <laughs> you get the hands, and what we're gonna, we'll go on three. One, <laughs> two, three. So on that, by arms and legs, no sooner had the splash took place than was an almighty hush. And of course, the crew by this time were even more terrified. And the good news, of course, is that the eternal God didn't let Jonah die because God's grace never gives up. The God who provided the wind now decided to provide a whale or a very large fish. Now, we used to sing a chorus at the Sunday school. Now, listen to my tale of Jonah and the whale away down in the middle of the ocean. How did he get there? Whatever did he wear away down in the middle of the ocean? A preaching he should be at Nineveh, you see. He disobeyed a very foolish notion. But God forgave his sin. Salvation entered and there is actions away down in the middle of the ocean. So the second point about Jonah here is we find Jonah, we've seen him as Jonah the rebellious, and here we find him as Jonah the pious. Now it's amazing what suffering can do. It's been said it can either make us or break us. It can drive us further away from God or draw us nearer to him. And Jonah became very devout. From inside the fish, it's certainly a weird, a weird place for a prayer meeting. And, and with desperate cries, I beckoned the eternal to hear. From slumbering sleep in the hold of the ship, screaming from the eternals of the great fish which God had provided. From the belly of the place of death, I cried out to you, said Jonah. Perhaps Jonah was experiencing something that we would describe as temporal faith. It's more common than we would think, and we've probably engaged in it ourselves a few times, to be honest. God, if you'll just get me out of this mess, I'll serve you forever. I'll pray every day, I'll read the Bible, I'll be a much better person. But sadly, often, when the crisis lifts, so does the commitment. I'll be honest with you, there's times I've cried it to God, some crisis comes, you go, oh God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but will you get me out of this awful mess? But we have to believe better things for Jonah. After all, his prayer shows a complete change of heart. Well, certainly a change of heart, if not perhaps complete. When you get time, read through chapter 2. It's a beautiful psalm. A pious prayer of an imperfect prophet. It's a beautiful compilation of many psalms all brought together as, as Jonah pours out his heart to God. It's a real ebb and flow, a rise and fall, almost wave-like as we follow Jonah's psalm. You can understand that if it was inside the belly of a great big fish. In verse 2 it says, With desperate cries I beckoned the eternal. You can imagine the rising place in that phrase of the psalm. And then, from the belly, the place of death, I cried out. So you see, down. And then the next phrase, it says, you have responded up. 
And then the next bit, you threw me into watery depths, down again. And then it says, I went down to the place where death gate would lock me in forever, and then up. Yet you lifted me up from the pit, eternal one. You're my God. So we see, often like you and I, friends, there is this kind of thing in our lives when we have the, the highs and lows of experience and the Psalms seem to grip that from time to time and we see that God is acquainted with everything that goes on in our lives. The highs and the lows. I think when Rosie shared this morning about Psalm 139, it says, um, where can I go from your presence? If I go in the depths, you're there. If I go in the far country, you're there. Even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God, God is on your case this morning, beloved. God has not given up on you. His grace never gives up on you. Regardless of what your circumstances might be this morning, regardless of the, of the things that are crowding in upon you, perhaps the storms of life are throwing at you this morning, God's grace never gives up this morning. And verse 9, he says, But I will sing to you. What a lovely time of worship it was this morning. But I will sing to you with a voice of thanksgiving. thanksgiving. Whatever I have promised, I will certainly pay it. Because deliverance is from the eternal one. His grace never gives up, beloved, this morning. Then the eternal one directed the fish, and it vomited Jonah out onto the shore. At last to our text. So this second time, Jonah obeys the great commission and yields to the command. Get up and go. It's often said that when we fall, the enemy wants us to believe that our ministry is ended. There's no hope for recovery, but our God is the God of the second chance. Micah could say in chapter 7, verse 8, do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Moses, Peter, etc. The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God can't keep you and the power of God can't use you. Never forget that. God's grace is able to go before you. And who is sufficient for these things? Paul could say our sufficiency is of God. It took three days to travel through Nineveh with this apparent harsh word that Jonah had. Humanly speaking, the whole enterprise seemed utterly ridiculous. How could one rather bleached prophet, you can just imagine the nick that Jonah would be in by the time he'd spent almost three days in the gastric juices of a smelly fish. <laughs> Jesus described Jonah as being a sign. I think he was probably a sight when he walked through the streets of Nineveh. Have you seen Jonah? Aye, the prophet. And he probably smelled very badly of fish. Deliver a message, especially on the wrath of God. You wouldn't have preached that on a Sunday morning, would you? You wouldn't have, wanted, you wouldn't have been comfortable preaching a message. 40 days and you're, you're going to be smashed. You wouldn't have preached that on a Sunday morning. But that's what Jonah, God says, go and preach the word that I've given you. 
And you know the wonderful thing in Jonah chapter 3, verse 5, it says, the people of Nineveh believed God. Isn't that a wonderful? It, only one day he's got a third of the way into the, into the trip. It should have taken him three days to get through Nineveh. But only one day later, and the people of Nineveh believed God. Surely he gave them something more than what seemed like a very harsh word. Perhaps he gave his testimony how that God was able to deliver him out of the belly of the disaster that he had fallen into. We don't know. All we know is he gave the word and God did the rest, friends. Isn't that wonderful? We preach the word and God does the rest. He says, let my spirit do his work. You do your part and I'll do the hard part. Glory to God. Like the sailing crew earlier, they didn't want to perish. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is a condemnation that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. But God's grace covers it all. God's grace takes us from that position where we say, I think I can do stuff my own way. Thank you very much, Lord. And God says, I've got grace sufficient for you to lift you from that place where you're setting your mind to do your own thing, to go your own way. God's grace covers everything. And then it says in verse 10, the people repented. Sorry, it says in verse 8, the people repented. And then later in verse 10, and God relented. Isn't that beautiful this morning? God relented of his wrath. He relented of that which he was going to pour out upon this rebellious, this, this dangerous, ruthless people. And God in his grace is able to meet whatever state of mind we're in this morning, whatever our condition, God's grace will never, ever give up. So we've seen Jonah the rebellious, we have seen Jonah the pious, and now we see Jonah the furious. In chapter 4 it says, the mercy of God extended towards Nineveh, and this upset Jonah terribly. The more he thought of it, the angrier he became. So he prayed to God eternal. Eternal one, he says, isn't just what I said would happen when I was still in my own country. This is exactly the reason I ran to Spain in the first place. I know how you are. I know you are not like other gods. I know that you are full of grace and compassion, that it takes a lot to make you angry and that your loyal love is so great that you're always ready to relent from inflicting misery. Isn't that a beautiful picture of God's grace this morning, beloved? Isn't it a wonderful picture that God in his love and in his mercy, Jonah could say, I know what you're like, Lord. I know what you're like. I know you're going to have mercy on who you're going to have mercy. I know you're going to have pity on people that don't deserve it. But God's grace covers all friends this morning. God's grace is able to cover everything. It's a wonderful prayer. Jonas really used this as a complaint, but I think it's one of the most wonderful prayers in the whole of the Bible. But for Jonah, far from rejoicing, he was furious at God. In fact, he had suicidal thoughts. 
He says, God, just take my life away. I can't cope with this any longer. But God in his love and his mercy and his grace, he speaks kindly to Jonah. I wonder how many servants of God here have been in that place. When we get before God and we say, God, I can't do this anymore. God, I'm struggling here. God, I need you to come. I don't know if any servants of God have said, God, just take my life. But it's possible that we get to the end of a rope and we say, God, I'm not enough for this. And God in his love and his mercy and his grace speaks kindly to his servants and brings a lovely word and says to you and I this morning, my grace is sufficient for you. Jonah cuts a lonely figure as he walks away, head bowed down, seeking some shelter. And in chapter 4, verse 5, it says, At last Jonah found a high spot and built a shelter from the hot sun. He sat there waiting to see what would happen next. But God, in verse 6, chose a plant to grow. It must have been a rapid-growing plant, this one. It provided shade from the intense heat. And at last, Jonah began to smile. I'm glad he's smiling because he's been pretty miserable up to this point in the story. But at dawn the next day, the God who provided a wind, the God who provided a whale, provided a worm, which promptly, perhaps with a few friends, chomped through the shelter, thus removing the shield from his hot-headed prophet. Coupled with that, God chose a, a, a scorching east wind to blow. And as the sun beat down on Jonah's head, he began to faint. Again, he says, Lord, just take my life. I've had enough of this. I can't cope anymore with this. I'm paraphrasing a wee bit, you understand there. <laughs> and again, God speaks to him. What's your reason for your fury, Jonah? Pray, tell me. It would be good to know. Jonah's putting a span on the works this morning. <laughs> so God says to him, what's your reason for your fury? You see, friends, God had 120,000 reasons why his grace should be extended to the Assyrians, the people of Nineveh. Isn't that lovely this morning? He's got 120,000 folk that need saved. There's 120,000 folk that need to know his love and his mercy and his grace. So Jonah, give me your reason. Because I've got plenty of reasons why you're not in the right place. It's been said that Jonah and Nahum are the only books in the Bible that end with questions. It's a kind of sad picture that I see Jonah kind of walking away. He's like the, the prodigal son's brother. I remember Pastor Gordon Weeks preached on that many, many years ago, and he, he, says, he says, the prodigal's brother cut a kind of sad figure walking back for the field with his, with his uh, I don't know if it was a, a hoe that he had in his hand or a spear, but dragging it behind them with his head lowered, thinking, that brother of mine's nothing but a waster, and yet God's gave him everything. 
the fathers gave him. He's got the fatty calf killed. He's gave him the ring. He's gave him shoes. He's gave him the best robe. And I've been working in that field. I've been working my guts out in that field and look at what he's done. But that's God's grace. Grace covers it all this morning. Should I not have pity, God says to Jonah, on that great city of Nineveh, where there are more than 120,000 people who don't know the right hand from the left and also many animals. Why should God not show pity on that people? Because his grace never gives up. Maybe the, the band can come up now and can we kind of get organized. I'm just going to try and sum up a little bit here. So what of Jonah then? A famous Scottish preacher, Alexander White, believed that Jonah did experience a change of heart. Spurgeon said, let's hope that during the rest of his life, he so lived as to rejoice in the sparing mercy of God. After all, he is the God of the second chance. Jesus used the witness of Jonah to the Ninevites in Matthew 12 and 41. Jesus said, The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, a greater than Jonah is here. I want to tell you this morning, beloved, a greater than Jonah is here today. He is greater in his message. Jonah brought a message of judgment where Jesus brings a message of grace and salvation. Jonah almost died for his own sins, but Jesus willingly died for the sins of the whole world. He is the atoning sacrifice, 1 John 2, 2 says, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Isn't that wonderful this morning? Jonah's ministry was to one city, but Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jonah didn't, lo- didn't love the people at all, yet Jesus had compassion for sinners and proved his love by dying on the cross. Romans 5 says, For a good man some might even dare to die, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jonah waited outside the city to see if God would kill those that Jonah would not forgive. But Jesus on the cross, outside the city, asked God to forgive those who killed him. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. His grace, his grace this morning covers it all. I want to suggest to you, friends, this morning that Jesus is greater in his glory, his majesty, and his power. He is greater as he is the savior of the world. He is the great shepherd of the sheep. He is able to save to the uttermost all who come to God through him. See, he lives to make intercession for the transgressor. He is the sympathizing Jesus, the one who is touched with all the feelings of our infirmities. He is the healer of all our diseases. For by his stripes, we are healed this morning. He is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. He is the giver of gifts. He is the deliverer of all our spiritual 
infirmities. He is the coming king this morning. There's a day coming when he will burst the clouds and his feet shall stand again on the Mount of Olives. He is the risen, ascended, glorified king. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. There's no end to his victory. There's no end to his glory. He knows nothing of defeat. This is the stone that the builders rejected but now has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes this morning, dear ones. And this Jesus is here this morning. Is there anything too hard for him? His grace never gives up this morning and he is here for you this morning. Tremendous little word for you this morning to encourage your heart. If you feel that you need some prayer, some ministry, some support, then we are here to pray with you and give you some encouragement and some help on the way. The Lord bless this little word to us, to our hearts this morning, in the name of Jesus. Amen.